on today's episode of the Project Podcast. It's an NBA jam-packed episode, once again. Myself and Sean will be talking everything Summer League, going down all of the draft picks, Lonzo, Dennis Smith, Jason Tatum, and all of the unsung heroes of Summer League, uh, how they all performed, how their futures are looking, and what the main takeaways were. We're also talking everything trade-related, uh, of course, Jimmy Butler, Chris Paul, Paul George, D'Angelo Russell as well. And of course, the biggest winners and losers from free agency uh, in terms of contracts and the minor trades that were made. Who got better, who got worse. Recorded this episode earlier in the week, so it's a little outdated, so we didn't talk about, obviously, Kyrie, the Houston Rocks going up for sale, etc. But we had a lot of fun recording it. Um, and I hope you guys this enjoy listening to it. Um, of course, a little housekeeping note. You can find us on SoundCloud under the Project Podcast, and of course on the podcast app on your phone. If you just type in the Project Podcast, just subscribe, leave a comment and a rating. You know I appreciate it because it helps out a great deal. Um, and now enjoy a little musing by uh, my boy Nato Jacobs, whose album is dropping on the twenty fifth of July this Tuesday. So be sure to check that out. Um, and I hope you enjoy listening to the episode. everybody, welcome to a new episode of the Project Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Dan Christian, and of course, I'm joined by my boy, Sean. Sean, how are we doing today, man? Yo, what's good, bro? All good, man. Uh, day after celebrating my birthday, so it's all, it's all pretty lit. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Of course, man. Blessed born day to you, of course, man. Thank you, my brother. Uh, nice nice weather, so I can't, can't complain. Day off work. So it's, it's all pretty chill, man. Um, it's amazing after taking a little bit of time off the amount of shit that goes down. NBA is probably what? 52 week? The only 52 week sport? Where yeah, man. It's, 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 it's officially reaching that point. And I think it actually, compared to the other sports, I think it actually has like the longest calendar season that uh, niggas actually care about. And it, it hasn't always been this way. It really hasn't always been this way. This is like a new development. Um, It's probably started since like post the decision. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, that's like, that was my whole thing. Cause I know we did talk about this on the last pod we recorded, um, in, in terms of people bitching about like the whole KD ruining the league. So I fucking want everybody who did say that you guys owe the NBA an apology because we just had a fucking wacky ass off season and, and this shit was crazy. Um, I think like the NBA off season is the best off season compared to any sport. Um, fucking, um, <laughs> The duels between Woj and and Shams going on it was fucking breathtaking, man. I, I push, gotta have your push notifications on at any moment. You never know when a Sham bomb or the or the Woj bomb gonna hit. Like it's, it's, cap, <laughs> it's captivating shit. You probably saw what um, four of like the top twelve players in the league switch teams, which is fucking ridiculous when you think about it. Absolutely, it is amazing. To be fair, um, this is probably yeah, like you were saying, um, 
since the since the the decision, the original decision, this has probably been the biggest migration of players to different teams since then, really, hasn't it? So, in terms of drama for for, for all forms of players that are moving, it's probably been one of the best off seasons. And uh, talking talk about the Shams bombs, it's nice to see that you know a brown brother is taking away the work from the you know the, the <laughs> <laughs> from the overlord taking you know I mean. ESPN have got Woj fucked up because you know you got to think about how he's how he's doing the business there. So he's not looking at his phone twenty four seven. So Shams is coming in sneaking out, seeing those exclusives while he's on Sports Center trying to cut it up with stage deal. Yo man, Woj was just a poor man Shams the whole time, man. Like, <laughs> shit, he was uh, Woj. Woj definitely was just fucking Danny Green. Woj couldn't dribble or none of that shit, man. He, but <laughs> definitely on the fucking thing, yeah, man, yo, and and the, the funny the funny thing is, especially um with the fucking like I said, man, like NBA free agency was just fucking amazing. I, I couldn't put my phone down at any moment, um, because like fucking I know I don't know I don't know about you guys or or or, or like everybody else listening, but I got hit with a couple fucking like bombs like while I'm at work and shit, and I'm I'm at work trying to do my job and shit or or, or attempting at least. And 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 fucking, I just see a Woj bomb hit real quick, and I'm like, holy shit, man! So it's like, yeah, um, NBA offseason was definitely captivating. Um, this shit definitely makes for like great theater. Um, and it, it it it's really like the league, the league is in like a great space right now. And um, regardless of what you think about like once again like the KD decision and shit, um, the fucking popularity of the league is going up. The eye, the eyeballs that are on the league. Um, before the thing people used to say about the NBA was people don't care about it until like what after NFL season um, finishes mm-hmm. and shit like that. But it's like this isn't this isn't how it how it works no more. People, the NBA is fucking becoming like like you did say it's it's basically a ten month season at this point of just like what we care about and what we're following. Even like the trade deadline shit. Without a doubt, I think this this summer league that's you know gonna finish up tonight has been one of the one of the more entertaining summer leagues, just solely from the strength of the of the prospects and of the popularity yeah. of the league. And yeah. Talking about all the bombs and stuff dropping, I mean, you're 100 percent right, especially when the CP3 and the Paul George ones came through. You, you're just wrapping your head around how, how all these scenarios are going to work, how every, every team's going to fit in with these players. And the fact that I'm getting them like 2 o'clock in the morning doesn't help as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> it is it is crazy. And, it, 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 you know, I, I, I love I love the Premier League. I love soccer with all my heart. But NBA just has that extra dash of drama in everything that it does, which makes it the, the most captivating league in the world. Without a single doubt. Yeah, man, it's just the NBA. The NBA, it actually builds up its personalities. So we see things where we're more connected to the actual names in the league. And I'm a fan of, of course, I love football. I love baseball. Baseball hot season. I mean, hot stove season is great. Football, um, the actual off season is another one that's cool for the first couple of days. But at the same time, especially with football. Like we can we can try and pretend and fake, but especially like when it's fucking like <laughs> offensive linemen getting these contracts. <laughs> yeah, 
I I like it's like I don't fucking I don't fucking know the and I love when people try to break down the intricacies of like fucking like guard play and shit. It's like bro, that's some super nerd shit. That is like I'm a nerd saying that's some super nerd shit. I don't even give a fuck about. He yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah, like like uh, like some guy some guy from Nebraska held eighty percent against you know quarterback pressure. It's like I, I don't care. Where's my running back? That's what I want to know. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but no, let's let's um let's cut into it, man. So speaking of trades, a whole bunch of shit went off. So I think we should start with the Jimmy Butler trade. There's only one winner of that shout trade. Shout out to shout out to Bulls Twitter. And when they lost it, when they seen that trade come down, I've, yeah, they complete they completely had a, a a meltdown. Just I think uh, they sell them at what forty cents on the dollar. If that you giving you get you giving up what top a, a bona fide top ten player in the league for a, a guy whose best performances came in last year's summer league and another. Uh, a guy whose best moves are dunking, and he is coming off an ACL. It's not. It's not the best, especially when you're looking for a rebuild and you've still got way taking up his player option, so you're restricted in what you can actually do. Yeah. So the thing, the thing is with the Jim Butler trade, especially when we compare it to the other guys that moved this offseason, compared to Chris Paul, compared to Paul George. Jimmy Butler had two years left on his contract. So it's two years of team control that you're trading. So off the rip, that's supposed to be a, a more valuable asset and commodity than the other trade. So the return for the Jimmy Butler trade, they got back, like you did say, they got back Chris Dunn, Zach Levine, uh, and and um, the number seven pick, which turned into uh Laurie Markman. So 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 break it down each piece. Chris Dunn, who everybody was high on uh last last draft, <laughs> who I don't think would have been a lottery pick in this draft. No. He 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 had he's a he's an older point guard prospect. Um so yeah he, he's an older point guard prospect. So some of the some some of the actual Flashiness of that move or the actual asset is a little dim off of that alone. Especially what we saw in the from summer league with him is, and he has potential to be one of the better lead guards defensively when it comes to the league. He's an asset definitely defensively, but in this league, if you don't have an offensive game, it's just going to limit your your upside. If every team is going to go under screens like that, and I just don't see the actual offensive upside or any. Any glimmer of hope for us to see him developing into like a even like an average offseason. He's not a great passer, like a facilitator on any end on that um, on the offensive side. So I just don't see the upside on that. You, you traded, and this is this is why this shit doesn't make sense. And teams, these teams, and and there's an actual <laughs> there's a there's a recurring theme here of just bad teams continuing to be bad and continuing to do dumb shit. Mm-hmm. So especially with the whole regime in Chicago when it comes to guard packs and foreman and all of those guys, they just continue to do dumb shit. They continue to step on their own toes. They they in the past twelve months basically they've traded for three point guards. None of which are half of the prospect that Dennis Smith Jr. is 
who they passed on, which is going to look really fucking terrible already. It already looks bad. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't even say down the line. It looks bad now. It looked bad on draft day. I remember when on when draft, and I'm following the draft, and these, these were, <laughs> this was my actual live thought when this shit happened. Um, I, I, like, and, and we did have this talk earlier, particularly with Dennis Smith, but it does, it, it, it's specifically a big point in this trade. Because if they pick Dennis Smith at seven, and we're looking at a Dennis Smith, um, Dennis Smith, Zach Levine, um, I don't, like I said, it doesn't fucking make sense when you're taking back Chris Dunn. So it just doesn't make sense. The, I think Dennis Smith was the best player on the board at the time. So when we're looking at it, it's just what the fuck are they doing? Like they, they still don't have a point guard of the future on their roster. <laughs> and and to make it even worse, Zach Levine, who definitely showed potential as a shooter, and especially for somebody his, his age, um, he definitely had like a nice shooting stroke um, coming along. So it does make sense and everything. Um, I can see why they looked at that as a valuable asset. Mm-hmm. But you're going to have to pay him next summer. So right there, especially coming off of it's always ACL. So and we're probably not going to see him much this season. If he comes back halfway through, I'd be surprised. But I wouldn't be. We're not going to see him at full strength this season. So then they're going to be on the fucking dilemma of having to pay him. They might not be comfortable with. All it takes is one team that has cap space to fucking give him a crazy contract that you don't want to give him, or you might be a little uncomfortable with coming off the uh, the actual um, injury and everything. He's still, um, for somebody as athletic as Zach Levine is, it's a little head-scratching about how much he does. He just doesn't attack the rim that much in the half court. He pretty much is just like a, um, a dunk or um, a three-point shot, and he does just settle a lot. So um, they're still and defensively he's fucking horrendous. So he still has um a far way to go on that on that end. But yeah, man, um, Jimmy Butler is a top ten player in the league. And another another recurring theme is we just keep seeing these fucking top players in the league not go for full value. So um, that that's a Jimmy Butler trade. But I feel like just just off the top of my head. Jimmy Butler trade, Chris Paul trade, Paul George trade, Boogie trade. Those are four of the top 12 players in the league again, once again. And none of them really got full value in return for them. It all stems from the the Boogie trade, really, doesn't it? Because the whole point of the new CBA as well is to put the Supermax in place to help some of the small market teams. So you, you can class Indiana, you can class um, Sacramento. And I, you can't really, I mean, you can't really class the Clippers as a small market team, but I can't, I can't, I can't class. Um, I can't say nothing about Indiana. I, I bet the different. I mean, yeah, they are, they are a small market team. Paces. Um, yeah. And none of them have opted to use the Supermax on there, guys. And then you've had to sell all of... And then they've basically sold by the Clippers, who I think actually got pretty decent value on, on the return for Chris Paul. Yeah. Um, you're all selling them for like less than 50 cents on the dollar. So, 
I don't know. Maybe that's just the way everything's going. And then the funniest thing is, which still makes me cry now, is that the Boston Celtics still couldn't even make one of these trades. Yeah, to 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 make uh, before we yeah because before we touch upon that thing, but I feel like what we do have to understand, like as a as a community, like as a fan community, whenever we see these trades go down, because it's very easy to just say like. Oh, this trade was that trade was fucking terrible, and it didn't like I don't understand how they didn't get more. Mm-hmm. But I there's a there's a lot going on. There's a lot of like actual things that comes into play when these trades are going down. Um, I feel like sometimes sometimes it isn't even about having the best offer, which is amazing. So it's like, and and it, and it's, it's funny because like it's it's the whole fantasy. The whole fantasy thing. We all play fantasy sports. It's the two. It's the um, two. It's the two K effect, isn't it? Really. It's, yeah, yeah. It's like we all we all play fantasy sports, and there will always be that one fucking idiot in your league who will fucking offer you some bullshit. Like, <laughs> um, like they'll they'll offer you fucking like a, a top five player for some for some mid for some mid, and just be like, yo, what the fuck is this? And and the thing is, it's like a lot of times, even if you're offering your package, might be some mid. <laughs> sometimes you really do just have to make that offer and see because sometimes like i feel like especially like when we do get to um specifically the fucking um the paul george trade and and it does go down with the boogie trade as well sometimes people sometimes these teams just want to fucking move on and um because i do think like the Kings specifically, I know we're, we're going back. I, I keep bringing up Boogie, Boogie. Um, but the Kings, it just looks like they said, yo, we have to move on. And even if we have to take 80 cents on a dollar for this shit, just move on and, and cut our losses, sometimes that's the best move. Um, Indiana, they got, uh, moving on to, to the Pacers, they got back um, Victor Oladipo and Sabonis uh, for Paul George. Um, for a year of Paul George, everybody knows Paul George is, uh, was leaving. Going, going, uh, yeah. back, back to. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, we all know he's going or he's gone. So specifically with him, and like you did say with the Celtics, I I don't understand the fucking return they got back. Victor Oladipo is overrated, and he's on a he's he's a negative asset. You can't he he you can tell me he's young, but he's fucking making twenty million dollars a year. And Sabonis, another one who was a lottery pick last year, who wouldn't have been a lottery pick this year. So you're looking at you're looking at somebody. You're looking at even if it's a. So I give Sam Presti a lot of bullshit and um, mm-hmm. that whole regime in OKC. Um, I feel like they cheap out a lot of times, and the blood is on their hands for why KD left. Um, mm-hmm. I've made my opinions known on that end. Um, but even if it's a fucking twelve month. Um, or our one season rental for Paul George. They didn't give up shit. And even if Paul George walks, they just got some cap relief off of a terrible Victor Oladipo contract that they gave him last last summer. So um I definitely say um that's a great um move for the Thunder on that end. Um so yeah going <laughs> going back going back to the actual um the Danny Ainge shit. Um, my whole thing about the Danny Ainge shit, and we did touch upon the Fultz Tatum thing on the last pod, and I gave my opinions on that. But the thing is, it's not that it's not that these guys or because like 
if if Paul George leaves, if if Danny if Danny Ainge gives up assets and he gives up one of the Nets picks, um, for a rental of Paul George or a rental of Jimmy Butler, mm-hmm. and those guys leaves and it was just for twelve months, like that is terrible. If if you're giving it up for a rental and that guy doesn't say, I can understand. Um, they ended up signing Gord Hayward, of course, um, on the actual um, market and everything. So so it does make sense in, in hindsight, twenty twenty, of course. But but the thing is, it's not that he's not giving up the assets. We've seen now, like I did say, for Buggy, Paul George, and and Jimmy Butler, that these players are not going for their dollar figure. They're not going for the actual assets. And it's not something where they're paying actually outside of what they're worth. And, um, and it's an overpay, and you're overpaying for the rental. These guys are going for fucking 80 cents on the dollar. So at some point, it's like that's why you have these. That's why you. That's why you build up a surplus of assets and the chest of assets, so you can say, "Hey, yo, we have so much fucking assets um, available to us right now that we can fucking give up some of these assets, and not even our best assets. Just a couple of the. They have like a Clippers pick. They have a Grizzlies pick. They have a Kings pick. Um, they have a fucking Lakers pick now. So it's fucking like they could have traded a, one of those pieces. With a couple other pieces, say some of these guys, they they had to. That's why I don't understand why they didn't try and trade a fucking Avery Bradley mm-hmm. or or like a Crowder because these guys are guys who um, Crowder's on a great contract. Bradley had to go. They picked Bradley over Marcus Smart because uh, Bradley is an unrestricted free agent this summer. Um, at least with Marcus Smart, um, he can guard some forwards on it and he can actually um he's gonna be restricted next season so they'll have to they'll be able to match anything but but yeah man that's just the um it's just head scratching a little bit that he keeps letting these assets um he just keeps hoarding these assets and and i mean i and uh, and of course hindsight is 2020 so if they do strike gold or any of these guys do develop into what they think or what they need in terms of like a franchise player, then it then it like it might look good, but for now at least it's like we got to see because Danny Ainge the last couple years he hasn't exactly given us, um, I'd say the biggest belief that he's like gonna go all in with the assets. He looks pretty gun shy and he doesn't look like he ever wants to trade. Like Danny Ainge is amazing at fucking playing the source game. Yeah, he's a, he's amazing at. Saying after the fact, oh yeah, we offered the Heat fucking like four draft picks for fucking Justice Winslow, or we had we we fucking had so and so on the table for these assets. So it's like you got to be aware um, when Danny Ainge is playing his source game after the fact. It's the classic PR spin from Danny Ainge most of the time, but I think one of the things that does come into play as well, <laughs> especially with the with the Butler, Butler trade and the Paul George trade, it's two teams that are in the same conference. So, both of them are probably getting a bit gun-shy in thinking that, do we want to trade a top a top 10 player to a team that's only going to get better? And with LeBron leaving, that opens up the window for the Celtics to probably be the, be- the best team for, like, what? Four or five years off the back of that? So... Yeah, they, they definitely, like, asset-wise, and mm-hmm. the fucking East is just, like, in a terrible position right now, anyway, um, when it comes to... Just like 
the future and like how some of these teams, what these teams look like, it's and what good. they might be a couple. Yeah, it's, it's not good. It's yeah. not good. There, there isn't much. So um, credit to him. It's like they still are positioned. It's not to say they aren't positioned because they are, mm-hmm. but um, it's just, it's just. I feel like they could have, they could have traded even and and depend like for what Paul George got traded for. Twelve months of Paul George for what? OKC just gave up. That's something I'm fine with. Honestly, that, but but that's me personally. No, I completely agree. Um, I, the, the Bulls thing just uh, it, it does confuse me because the uh, I'll get into a bit of a conspiracy theory now because obviously they, they traded the Jordan Jordan Bell pick to Golden State for what three point four mil. And because cash, it, cash considerations, cash considerations, which was apparently three point four mil. Obviously, yeah, yeah. Reinsdorf owns the White Sox as well, and they signed their first round draft pick for three point five mil, and he's a bit cheap. The owner, yeah. So it's just, I don't know, it's it, it it doesn't it doesn't make sense. Especially when uh, uh, you, yeah, you probably could have got Avery Bradley and Jay Crowder, who are better players than what you got back on your initial return. You're fucking rebuilding, man. And mm. like, I don't like you brought it up. Yeah, the Jordan Bell pick. That's just one thing. We probably just get get it out of the way now. Jordan Bell. I said he was going to be one of the best picks value wise. About somebody's going to get him in the second round. And how the fuck did the league let the Warriors get him? Like, he just makes so much sense. And especially for the, as well. I mean, the, yeah, it's per, it, it fits like a glove. It fits like a glove. He's gonna have an impact from day one. Um, the same thing, and it's just like the same. Yeah, like like I did say earlier with the re- reoccurring theme of bad teams doing dumb shit. This is dumb shit. You're a rebuilding team. You could use somebody like a fucking Jordan Bell. Yeah. You, you, so you just save three million dollars when you're fucking rebuilding your team. He's a fucking asset that you could use. And you just traded him to the fucking world champion. And and it's like, this is why, like, the Warriors, this is why the Warriors are so good. It's not because KD went there. It's not because fucking they have It's because they, time after time, they just seem to fucking make the perfect decision when it comes to, um, even fucking Patrick McCall was looking amazing during Summer League. Yeah. And he t- amazing, amazing to the point where I'm like, yo, <laughs> Patrick McCall might get out of like with the fucking luxury tax and everything the warriors gonna have to pay he um, might get like 17 mil he might yeah he might get a crazy contract next, next summer so it's like to the point where it's just like yo they drafted him i think it was the same pick last year with the 35th pick mm-hmm. so it's like they they fucking the war this is why the warriors are so good this is why kd came there because they really are a fucking great run uh an amazingly run franchise and all that shit yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more, especially with the um, dumb dumb teams doing dumb shit, which just consistently keeps happening. I mean, I don't, you think, especially with the analytics that are in basketball now, all the GM changes and the culture shift to make teams more like the Warriors and the Spurs and the way they conduct their business in the later rounds of the draft. But no one seems to value that for some reason, especially when you can put players on two-way contracts now. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense, man. It doesn't make sense whatsoever. So, the Pacers and the Bulls are taking the biggest L's on yeah on their trades and what they got back. I mean, yeah, I don't yeah, I, but, I don't rate Oladipo 
at all. I, I kind of, I kind of like Sabonis. Nah, Oladipo's mid. Nah, man, and Oladipo is mid. Um, <laughs> he's definitely mid, especially what they're gonna ask him to do in um, yeah. Indiana, where he's probably gonna be like fucking the main ball handler there, or, or a lot. The ball's gonna be in his hand a lot. Um, fucking Sabonis, like, um, I mean. I can I can see him as like a a backup big, but it's not really like nothing. We're talking like Paul like Paul George is a is a yeah he's like a top twelve to fifteen player in the league. So so it's like you're you're getting back. Can can Sabonis end up being like a rotation big, probably like your third or fourth best big? Yes, but is he going to be like a starter? I don't mm. really think so. I don't. Know. He's going to be a defensive liability his his whole career. Um, so like I yeah I don't there's not you didn't at least and they didn't get any picks or anything so like at least at least you could say like you don't even have like the the allure of saying hey we have a pick or something down the line neither of these assets are gonna end up being anything like even like franchise like competency building <laughs> on that end so yeah um I, yo what do you what do you feel like um in terms of how uh, before we do get to the CP3 trade, um, what do you think about OKC and um, and uh, Minnesota this year in terms of like uh, their upside? OKC OKC have cemented themselves as like a fourth or fifth seed. Um, I think when you com- you know you resigned Robertson and you've got rid of some of the offensive liability he's got there with Paul George. You've got someone who can actually take a bit of the bulk of the scoring off for us as well. I think that Patrick Patterson signing is low-key quite decent. Yeah. Um, you need Stephen Adams to bounce back. Uh, who was the kid? That, who's the kid that they drafted? Donovan Mitchell. Oh, the Thunder. Mm. No, the Thunder. Um, the Thunder traded their pick, I believe. Um, we, no, they got Terrence Ferguson. Terrence Ferguson, I'm buying yeah, Terrence Ferguson. Yeah. Yeah, Ter- Ferguson. I don't know if he's ready to cut. Yeah, you're, uh, they need to get Terrence Ferguson. Um, yeah, Terrence Ferguson, um, long-term 3D project type of guy. Um, I don't really think um, he's su- super fucking athletic. Fucking jump out the fucking um, out the fucking gym. Um, I do see him. Um, reminds me. I mean, he's in the same mold as somebody like as a uh, a Kelly Oubre. Mm-hmm. Of what he could become in terms of a long ass fucking irritant on the uh, on the wing, um, who basically his whole upside is going to come down to um, yeah how good his three point shot comes down to yeah. I think that, yeah they're in a good position. I mean, if they can somehow move Enos Cantor's contract, that puts him in a in a, in a way better position because you got you, this is the time now where you need to think. Is Westbrook going to bail for next season? And if so, can we shed as much cap as we can to make a clean run in 2018? Because there's going to be a fair few people on the market anyway. Um, in terms of the Timberwolves, the one thing that gets me about that is I I don't really know how Wiggins and Butler are going to play together. Yeah. It's just, I don't know, Wiggins defensively is a bit of a black hole. Offensively, yeah, mm. yeah. Um, I I do think it's a it's a weird fit offensively. Him and Jimmy do like to operate within like some of the same spots on the court. 
and neither of them are the greatest perimeter shooters. Um, Jimmy Jimmy was about league average last season, but neither of them actually lead you or or inspire um, a lot of belief in them as perimeter shooters going forward. Yeah, and it might get a little clanky, especially since Tibbs seems so goddamn hell-bent on this too-big shit that he loves. Um, of course, they did sign Taj this offseason because um, they're basically trying to turn into the Timber Bulls or whatever. Timber Bulls. Um, Timber Bulls, <laughs> yeah, Timber Bulls. Um, so, yeah, I don't... Um, I feel like Cat is a five. He should be playing most of his minutes at the five. Mm-hmm. I don't really think that is what's going to happen now since they still do have Gorgie Dang. Um, another thing, side note, just to go back to, just to, <laughs> just to say how the fucking Bulls were dumb again. I don't know how they didn't. They didn't even keep their pick, which they had, the fucking 16th pick in the draft. For whatever reason, that, Justin they Patton. had to, yeah. just, it ended up being Justin Patton. They ended up trading that pick in the package, which doesn't make sense. Neither here nor there. Dumb as fuck. I don't understand it. Um, going back to the, going back to the Timberwolves, um, yeah, I do think they're a playoff seed. I'd probably say they're around like a, a six or seven seed, I'd say. Um, I still do think um, Wiggins and Cat still have some development to get there before. But talent-wise, this is going to be fucking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, the shooting is going to be off. They do need shooting. I don't really see Jeff Teague isn't really a off ball type of guard. No. I do think George Hill was way better for the off ball guard they did need on <laughs> um, playing against those guys, especially when you have um Jimmy and and Wiggins who are gonna have the ball in their hands a lot. Um George Hill would have been a perfect fit. Teague does need the ball in his hands to pretty much be effective. Um I honestly do have a little bit of concern about the long-term upside um, of, like, if they're going to get to where they need to get to to really maximize Cat's potential. Um, Wiggins, I do think Wiggins gets a little bit too much shit in terms of, like, where he is as a player right now. Um, And I do think that's part of um, pre-draft expectations still, like, hindering people's perception of him. Because I think he has been... Like, like what people thought he was going to be aside, he's been a fucking really good player for, like, a fucking 20- and 21-year-old guy. Yeah, true. He averaged 20 points in the league last season. And if you want to look at wing players who, who've averaged 20 points in the league um, that early, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a rare company he's in um, otherwise. Even if he doesn't become a fucking bona fide superstar, even if he's just, like, a... Um, if he if he ends up being an all star, it's still a it's still a um a pretty good outcome for him. Um, but yeah, I just um I do I'm like I did say um I don't know if he's the best long term partner for Cat. And also there's the um the possibility of Jimmy Butler still leaving in in uh, two years. Um, but yeah, I think I think they um. The upside is higher, but if I had to put it, I'd probably put them in around like a like the five through seven in the West. Um going to OKC. I do think I do think Russ and Russ and um 
Paul George. It's it's um talent wise, it's a good fit. Style wise, I don't think it's as much of a fit because Buffalo guys do like taking a lot of long jumpers. Um, I, funny enough, do think they have um a lot of potential to actually give Golden State fits in a in a series, which is something that I wouldn't have said at all. Like I scoffed at that all fucking last year. Um, but just in terms of um, defensively, they're going to be really good defensively. Um, I think with those guys, um, the book has been out on Russ being an overrated defender for a while. Mm-hmm. But uh, I do think since some of the offensive burden won't be as much on him this season since they do have Paul George, um, I do think he should be a little better defensively. Um, and they actually do have ways where they could – make life difficult for um, Golden State. Even, like, we saw Steven Adams have the best series of his life against Golden State um, uh, last, not not last season, but two years ago at this point. Um, even, even fucking, like, somebody like a canner for, for, like, 15 minutes a game could be fucking hell for those guys because you don't want Draymond guarding Cantor, even though, um, and, and, of course, offensively, Cantor, they'll play him off the court, but just in terms of fucking uh, making go, making go to stage of life difficult and like defensively they're gonna be long. Robinson is one of the best two way wings. Uh, so is fucking uh, Paul George. Um, Adams is a great defender. Um, like you did say, the is a, is a good pickup. Um, but yeah, man, I still don't see them being a realistic threat to beat them. But they could make life difficult for uh, Golden State. Yeah, no, I, I, I do completely agree. There's a lot of... It's still a roster with some holes, but, I mean, when you've got Raymond Felton on the team, anything is possible. Who's better? Uh, Raymond Felton is an upgrade from <laughs> um, Samaje Christian, who was probably the worst backup point guard in the league last year. <laughs> oh, man. Speaking of speaking of point guards, let's get into the CP3 trade. I, mm-hmm. I don't think... For both parties, it was actually not a bad trade. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, definitely, I would say that from the Rockets' perspective, they got the best player in the deal, a top 10 player in the league still, um, somebody who's going to be fucking ridiculous in the Dan Tony offense. People, <laughs> people laugh about the fit. Offensively, I'm not fucking worried one bit. Mm-hmm. I do think the funny aspect here is Harden saying that he did not want to be because basically, from what all signals we've gotten from Harden since the trade, and he has said this before. I know it, it sounds funny now, but he did a couple off seasons ago. He was very big um, on trying to recruit Ty Lawson when Ty Lawson was actually like an underrated point guard in the league before like he's got out of shape and <laughs> the Henny got him. Um, <laughs> Um, before all that, he was trying to um, recruit Ty Lawson, and it seems like Harden is keen to the idea of being this off-roll—I mean, off-ball killer. Yeah. Who, who just like who who's more of like the slasher type, which is funny. Uh, of course, this is neither here nor there. This is funny for all the people who said OKC okay, so had to trade Harden. He wanted his own team. He needed the ball in his hand. 
Well, Harden is fucking saying otherwise right now. Um, once again, that's neither here nor there. Moving on though, um, we don't have to we don't have to kill that dead horse again. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, man, um, I think it's been a great fit offensively. He just has has never really had somebody who um his off ball spot up shooting stuff. So um I um Chris Paul's probably once again Chris Paul is probably one of the best in the league. And um with the perfectly fucking space floor that he's gonna be dealing with now, he's just gonna be fucking killing in the mid range. Um they made a couple really good fucking pickups. Um, and Zillary, um pickups when it comes to like a fucking PJ Tucker or yeah. Luke Richard Mamba Mute, really good pickups in terms of tough wing defenders. Yeah, tough defenders that they do need. Even Capella, very good defender that they are going to need. So yeah, I don't think this team, as currently constructed, can beat the Warriors. Metal trade, of course. Metal trade. Um, we've been seeing it around a lot in the news. M- makes them even more lethal offensively. So yeah, they're basically what what Dale Morey is doing is going fucking all in and basically saying, "Hey man, you never know. An injury happens, and somebody slips on a wet uh, a wet court. Somebody rolls their ankle and misses three weeks at the wrong time." Somebody uh, just gets hurt, and all of a sudden, they have a chance to win a championship. But then again, I do think there is some, like, potential for for some blow-up <laughs> in terms of just, like, Chris Paul being, like, an ornery-ass nigga who, <laughs> who people <laughs> – yeah, shout out to Bobby Boucher. <laughs> uh, ornery, yeah. Um, who just be ornery and people who don't like to play with him. So I do think there's some potential that just could fucking go wrong. Um, with him and Chris, uh, with him and Harden, possibly. Uh, it's just a style clash, isn't it? In terms of both of them needing the ball in their hands, that could be the main reason why it could probably go wrong. But I mean, like I agree with what you were saying, especially when it's Daryl Morey just saying "fuck it," might as well just go all in now. Having a good product on the court, and you never know what might happen. Um, PJ Tucker. Acquisition is a really good acquisition. He's a good player. Yeah, love PJ Tucker. Um, I, I do think the funny thing from the Clippers' perspective is obviously with the they got Gallo in a uh, in a um, in a sign and trade, mm-hmm. and you finally you finally got the small forward you're after for all those years, and Chris Paul leaves. <laughs> yeah, man. Um... And all this was down to and the the funny thing as well. Actually, the, the funniest thing is all the Austin River stuff that came out as a result of it. Like Doc was favorite favoring playing Austin in certain situations, was coddling him and stuff like that. It it just shows you that Doc is a bit overrated. I mean, yeah, I don't. <laughs> For sure, I feel like it's died down these last couple seasons, but there was definitely a moment in time within like the past like five to seven years where people definitely had him in that upper echelon of the coaches in the NBA. Mm-hmm. 
compared to some of the best coaches, I definitely think some of the best coaches run circles around him. Dr. GM has been horrible, even though I don't hate the offseason he's had, especially in the position that he has. Patrick Beverly. Um, is it Dr. GM or is it Jerry West, the consultant? I, 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 well, I, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I feel like Jerry West probably had a a part in, in them, like, parting ways or, like, agreeing to, like, not offer Chris Paul the max contract or whatever. But, yeah. Um, I do think there is some Ewing theory potential with yes with uh, the Clippers. Um, hey man, I I'm just praying for Blake Griffin to get healthy, man. I feel like he's one of the most exciting guys in the league. He's definitely um, been a little more like groundbound since like all these knee injuries, and it's not a great sign that he is out till December or whatever. But if he was, <laughs> if he was healthy for the whole season, you might have been able to talk me into them being like a 50-plus uh, win team and just being like a, a really good team. Because last time, we we saw the whole dynamic with Blake and and DeAndre when Chris Paul would be out for these stretches within these last basically five years. Mm-hmm. And and they they were great without Chris Paul, too when the ball was in Blake Griffin's hands, even if he's groundbound and he's not dunking on people anymore, he's still one of the better point forwards in the league who can still make shit happen. So it's still like, that's still a valuable commodity. Um, that's pretty rare in the league that not too many forwards do, um, possess. Uh, but yeah, man, injury wise and, uh, Dr. GM, I definitely could also see doc just fucking like totally jumping ship <laughs> soon and like fucking I'm out. I'm just go be a family man. You know, what? I I wasn't I was quite surprised that he didn't jump jump ship this season and take up the yeah. um, the Orlando Magic uh, president of basketball operations job. That seems like something he he probably do. I mean, you, you probably put you put a different coach on this roster, and like you're saying, it probably is 50, a fifty win team. Because there's some there's some good players and some good contracts as well. So if if the Lou Williams thing isn't working out, if the Patrick Beverly thing isn't working out, those are yeah. good tradable assets. Definitely, definitely, yeah, def for sure. They can they be able to trade Lou Will right away, especially if he's gonna be putting up the volume stats that he's had. I don't see why he can't replicate the stats he had last year. Exactly. Um, Patrick Beverly teams definitely fucking need somebody um, like that. Um, but yeah, the last thing, I mean, the, the last thing, because we do got to move on, we got a lot of fucking shit to touch upon, too. Um, last thing that I just said, everything about Dr. GM, Joe Ingles got fucking um, four years, $52 million from the Jazz um, and everything. <laughs> Joe Ingles was on, Doc Rivers had Joe Ingles mm-hmm. before, the, before the Jazz got him. He was cut to make room for Jared Cunningham, who I believe plays in China or some shit right now. But yeah, that's, that's just everything you need to know about Dr. Yen and why they're in this position right now and why they can never find that one player like you said they need. And the funny thing about that is as well, I think Joe Ingles was on a plane for um, a preseason game. I think he told his wife to come over from Australia to come see him. And then he got, and then he got cut. Yep. And he got cut, yeah. Yep. That's painful. Uh, that is... Yeah, they haven't... They, they haven't been the best in terms of accumulating... Small time talent. 
Oh. Yeah. But I mean, it's it's a winning. It's speaking of winners and losers. Um, in free agency itself, who would you say are the bigger winners here, and probably the biggest losers? Um, in terms of winners, um, I would definitely say, um, I like the Paul Millsap contract that Denver did give him. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like I do like that fit next to um next to Jokic going forward. Um, once again, the West is just gonna fucking be ridiculous, especially when <laughs> um basically three All Stars um moved West. Um, uh, Millsap. Jimmy Butler and Paul George. Um, in terms of so yeah, you definitely got to say uh, OKC is a winner for what they did this off season. Um, definitely, um, I'd say I'd also look at the Nets as a winner for what they did this off season. Um, I guess this does get us bring us along to like all of the um, Lonzo stuff because it's all intertwined. Um, so yeah, that's, that was, um, looking back at it, we're, we're at the time it was a little head scratching the whole D'Angelo trade, of course, um, magic cut ties with D'Angelo. Um, they basically got back, uh, they got back Brooke Lopez, um, Brooke Lopez, uh, Basically, the 27th pick, I believe, that turned into Kyle Kuzma. Um, that's it, right? Yeah, for, for D'Angelo Russell. That's the one. Um, there's a couple ways to look at this. Um, I do think, from my perspective, from both um, the Lakers and the Kings, I mean, the, the Lakers and the Nets' perspective, um, let's start with the Nets. Um, for, the, for the situation that the Nets were in, um, they didn't have much assets. All they had was fucking cap space. Um, they turned cap space and um, Brooke Lopez, who you see the center, the center market in the NBA is pretty dire right now, and teams aren't right really like looking to give up much for centers. So um, they turned that into somebody who has the potential to be like a starting point, uh, a great all star point guard going forward. So it's just a win for them. Um, it's uh, honestly looking at it now. I do think it's a win-win. Um, it's probably not what I what I would have said <laughs> if you asked me what I thought about this trade going forward. But um, yeah, man, just fucking watching Alonzo in in summer league. Alonzo is the truth. Lavar was right about everything. Y'all owe Lavar apology as well because <laughs> he was right, man. And and like even I know like. I had Lonzo a little lower on my board, but I still fucking like all in on the kid. Like it yeah. was never it was never something like I my whole thing with him was with that fucking type of basketball IQ and and just the passes he make. Like it's special. This is not something that comes into the league every day. Um you won't see somebody with that type of special passing game often. Um but yeah, my whole thing after watching Lonzo in the summer league is that I and we, we all knew how bad defensively him and D'Angelo would have been mm-hmm. in the backcourt. But Lonzo's probably a little worse than I thought defensively because he has got cooked a lot in um, in um, summer league. So that's probably something that is going to continue. Um, 
D'Angelo himself isn't the greatest defender. So, yeah, it just would have been terrible defensively. Um, so my whole thing that I do see is why they probably did need to trade D'Angelo as soon as possible is that them playing if, – if Luke Walton – I saw this a lot last season with the Lakers where Walton, especially until like the last stretch of the season, he didn't really play D'Angelo and Clarkson together. Um, for whatever reason, we can guess that because they were just fucking so horrendous together. So if if they would have believed that playing D'Angelo and Alonzo was just going to be so fucking terrible um, that one of them was going to have to come off the bench and that's just lesser minutes, I can understand why they see D'Angelo's value might have been even lower um, if they try to trade him um, at the trade deadline or a year from now. Um, honestly, I don't think that really should fucking matter because the Lakers shouldn't be looking at themselves as a team that's going to be good this season. They're going to still fucking suck, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, the KCP pickup is a good pickup. Um, Lakers definitely do deserve um, to be in the winner's section, I'd say, with the KCP pickup. Um, but yeah, man, they wouldn't have been able to play together. Um, my whole thing because D'Angelo and Lonto are going to be tied to the hip basically going forward as um, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. It's going to be annoying. <laughs> Niggas going to get these jokes off and everything. Um, but yeah, my whole thing when we are comparing these two guys is that we have to realize that and yeah, we have to realize that Lonto is going to come in already playing with a better supporting cast than D'Angelo ever played with. So D'Angelo definitely was dealt an unfair hand in terms of what he dealt was dealt with. Um, in terms of KCP being somebody who can guard point guards and let Lonzo guard the lesser uh, of the two guards, something D'Angelo never had. Um, a fucking big man who could, a center, Brooke Lopez, who could space the floor and fucking shoot. Something that D'Angelo really fucking needed in his arsenal for a point guard that he never had, that Lonzo's going to be equipped with now. Um, improvements from Brandon Ingram, who was the best player at Summer League this fucking... Um, he only played one game. Yeah. But... But yeah, he was the best player at summer league, and he yeah he didn't need to play no more. So improvements from Ingram, improvements from Randall, um, another lottery pick. I mean, not a lottery pick, another first round pick in Kuzma, who did look really good um, in summer league playing with Lonzo. Looks like somebody who's just gonna be like who's always gonna run and um, and everything. So so yeah, man, that's my whole thing. Just when we're talking about comparing these two. Lonzo was definitely good. He he's coming in with a better, um, a better supporting guy than D'Angelo's ever had. Um, but all in all, my whole thing here, which if I was a Lego fan, I'd be a little disappointed. Was is they are doing this stargazing shit. However, with how Lonzo is looking. We've just seen him play, like, five summer league games, basically. But, but yeah, man, with the way Lonzo is looking, with the way Brandon Ingram is looking, the Lakers actually might be a fucking player in, in, in free agency in these next couple seasons. Now, 
it's not the greatest proposition. And we've just seen the fucking past couple years them strike out on this shit, but now they do have somebody who is a transcendent talent. Mm-hmm. So definitely I would say the Lakers, um, I, I do think at this point it's a win-win for both trades. D'Angelo, um, the, the fucking counting stats that people want to see him put up now, he's going to put them up now. Like, if you want to see counting stats, he's going to put up counting stats. And that's play at the fastest pace in the league. Kenny Atkinson, um, one of the better development for uh, guard, um, young guards in the league. So that's pretty great. Um, and, and as somebody who's one of the last people who, like, is fond of D'Angelo, I think it's fucking safe to say, man, it's probably just better for both sides that he got the fuck out of um, L.A., man. Like, I still I still believe in him as a talent 100%, but for whatever reason, with everything that's happened for him in L.A., for for what it means to be a Laker, and I don't even think this is a, like, a shot at D'Angelo. People are going to take it, but Lonzo, I do think Lonzo does just signify what the Lakers brand and everything that they're looking for. And I like, I never thought D'Angelo would be like the fucking transcendent or like the number one guy. And I still do have questions about Lonzo being that guy, but just his style of play is something else that's just going to fit in um, to like the Showtime basketball era. And just like the whole idea of what Laker fans and like Laker, <laughs> Laker exceptionalism and all that shit, which is definitely back and everything. Oh, but yeah, I do think it's a win-win trade for both these sides at this point, man. Yeah, I, I, I do agree. I mean, we saw in the game, for D'Angelo, we saw in the game against um, was it the Cavs when him and Kyrie were just going at it and at it with, with, with Bucket. So the scoring's never been a problem. I 100% agree with the um, the fact that both of them would have been just absolute black holes on defense. Um, yeah. Dan, he's, he's not the he's not the best, he's not the greatest defender, but Lonzo's probably Lonzo's probably worse at defense than than D'Angelo was at this point. Yeah, and the KCP thing just just covered that up. And I, I always do think that defense defense is one of those things that it will come as you adjust the pace of the league and as you get coached up better. You'll know when to get your man off screens and pick and roll. Yeah, man, defense is a team sport. Like, it's really yeah. a team thing where it's like they don't need Lonzo to fucking beat Gary Payton on defense. They only need him to be good enough. Yeah, I mean, look at Kyrie. Again, Kyrie, not the greatest defender, but it doesn't. it's not the biggest liability on the Cavs. So, debatable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but now, just, just watching him in this in these summer league games, the, the passing has never been up for debate. I mean,. Jesus, he's going to make so many players better. Um, yeah. the, the lobs he's going to throw to Randall and Larry Nance are going to be... Ingram, yep. And are going to be something else. Ingram, I mean, we all knew that he was going to be a good scorer, but yeah, that, that, that one summer league game, shooting the lights out, way more aggressive to the rim, which was one of the things that he started doing towards the end of, um, the end yeah, of, yep. last, end of last season. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got what? His wingspan's like what? Um, well, seven, yeah, like a seven, 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 three, seven. Yeah, not ridiculous. Yeah, and it, uh, that he, it, those two are the superstars that they've been waiting for, Ingram and Lonzo. And if you do, if you if you can add, um, you know, Paul George into that mix, and you know, yeah, possibly LeBron next season if you want to get ballsy. Um, 
yeah, going on that before we holding holding to that point, my whole thing there is if my yeah, so there a whole a whole sentiment of the trade, why they made a trade was for salary cap relief. Which I don't think it's I, I feel like there's a little bit of flawed thinking. Because like I said, this team is gonna be bad. Mm-hmm. Um if they thought that Deans was gonna lose value, like I said earlier, um I do understand. But in terms of the Mozgov contract, which is really why they had to attack D'Angelo to move the contract. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever they thought about D'Angelo, um, even if they didn't think fucking that, like, he was, like, the, the, the face of the Lakers going forward, they pretty much had to attach the... Uh, that's how bad that contract was, that they had to attach the, the 2015 the second round, the second pick in that draft to that Mozgov contract. That's how bad that contract was to move it. Now, like I did say, they're gonna be bad anyway. So if they just waited, if they waited till next summer, they could have still fucking moved the fucking Mozgov contract, and it would have been a lesser price. So that's why it's, it's still a little head scratching. But um, like I did say, overall, I do think it is a win-win for both teams. And everything. Yeah, I mean, I guess you are kind of giving Brook an open audition, really, to stay on the roster as well. I mean, he's not gonna get paid as much as he's getting paid now. I believe it's like. Touching twenty mil, um, you might just be salary cap loot, man. Mm. But I mean, yeah, that Moscow contract is bad. The Dane contract even worse. Um, but at least you can stretch that over X amount of years for like six mil. So, I mean, the f- the future is looking quite looking quite bright um, for everyone involved, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kuzma Hive is in full effect. I mean, he's been he's been balling out. Actually, some league games. Yeah. And the um. Yeah, they are, like you said, the the Lavar theory was right. The, the man is undefeated and never lost. The price the price is going up by the game, man. <laughs> hey, man, Nike, Under Armour, Adidas. And give that man, give Lavar whatever he want, man. You want you want ownership stake? Give it to him, bro. Again, um, you know. The power, the the power of Lonzo, the power of Lavar, the fact that he's wearing different shoes for each game, and showcasing the benefits of that on social media, just on the reactions, it's it's worth it just to, just to sign him, just to sign, just to sign the kid. I mean, the, the, you know what those those Fourth of July big baller brand shoes were actually not that bad. Oh, bro, the the triple B. Um, the Yeezy, uh, what is it? The uh, the Red October type, tri- the the low top joints they had, the ZO two, whatever. Yeah, yeah, man, that's gonna be very big in like the um, the Pyru community in in the in the in the, in the urban suburban um uh, California area before like the Bloods and shit. But yeah, man, people will be getting shot over those shoes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, man. I mean. I do think Lonzo wore. I mean, again, yeah, what was the, was the Perry wore last night? He wore some Steph Curry Under Armors, which were yes, yeah, Steph Curry. He wore the Steph Curry joints. Um, he had the uh, um, which Steph sent him, by the way, because they were player exclusives. Which Steph sent him? Um, and then he uh was rocking in the um the the Air Jordan Dirty Ones, I think, the other night or yeah, yeah. He had the Hardens on as well, and he had the Kobe's. And I mean, when you've got when you've got LeBron posting a picture of Lonzo in the Kobe saying "just do it," I mean, yeah, 
one of your biggest earners saying, saying alright let's, let's just cut the check and get this done I still I, I, you know what I still do love um, LeVar being all quite b bullish I mean saying that him and him, him and um, Lamello can take on Shaq and Sharif <laughs> I mean, I, I I doubt it, but I mean, you, you gotta love, you, you gotta love the cockiness from Big Var, man. Gotta love it, man. What what the hell would we be talking about if it wasn't for the Varball, man? Like, shit, you wouldn't have half the social content that you do without the Big Var. <laughs> let's 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 keep on summer league. I mean, the top five players. That went in this year's draft have all been balling their ass off. Um. Yeah. 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 Man, this was a. Uh, we knew this was gonna be a. I knew this was gonna be a good draft coming in, and these guys definitely have balled out. Um, coming out right away. Um, it just shows you. And the crazy thing is, um, because summer league, it, it's summer league, so we like, we. <laughs> We should refrain from making these like crazy <laughs> assumptions and shit in summer yeah. league, but you know people aren't. Um, but I, I would say that the thing I would say about summer league is it just shows you how bad last year's draft was um, in general because um, these rookies came out this year and basically like outshined a lot of these guys from last year's draft. So it just probably just puts that in perspective. Just a quick um, one on the previous year's draft. If you redraft that again, who goes top three? Do you still think Ben Simmons goes first? Um, if I had to redraft last season, okay, um, let's see. Um, yeah, Ben Ben still goes one. I still take Bi two. Um, I say probably Brogdon is third. I'd, Brogdon. Go, I'd go with that. Nah, yeah. um, matter of fact, no, no. I, I, me personally, I'm gonna go with Jamal Murray third. Mm -hmm. I pers I'm, I'm high on Jamal. I'm big fan. Um, fourth, fourth and fifth is probably like um, fourth and fifth is probably gonna be either Scal or uh, Malcolm Brogdon between those two guys. Brogdon, Brogdon, of course, is like the better asset now, but long term, I just think the Scal's potential is ridiculous. So yeah, that's definitely a top five. Um, but yeah, like the actual left of the lottery is a little like shaky and everything. Yeah, it it, it is a weak draft. Yeah, guys like like guys like um even like Don Maker, um who's look a little lost. The Winter during... Soldier. <laughs> <laughs> He's looked lost during summer league Valentine as we spoke about. Um, Karis Levert definitely being the top ten. I'm I'm a fan of Karis Levert. Um, I've Pat McCall will go in the lottery, like we said. Lot yes, yes. Um Jalen Brown too, definitely in a lot of the top ten. Um but yeah, um, um but yeah, it's just role player potential that those guys have. But yeah, it really wasn't a great draft, but um in terms of yeah, these these kids um but yeah, so it's like my, my whole thing about this summer league, um, it's it's usually more reflective if these guys come out and are bad, like or, or yeah, if, if 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 they're bad, it's it doesn't mean anything. But that's probably more of like a more cause for concern than like a great summer league. So with a lot of these guys, just a quick rundown of like the actual draft and everything, folks. 
It's just I, like all I watch for summer league is it's like what I've seen from these what 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 I saw from these guys in the past. It's mm-hmm. still there. So I was like, you don't want to see like I'm not judging them like for everything. Um, but Fultz definitely um you see the fucking ridiculous moves that he has um in in his arsenal just in terms of like um crossovers and dribble drives and just like finishing around the basket. Um and I was really impressed with his with his passing. Um supposedly. that little turnaround jump shot he's got as well is high, like pro level. Yeah, he'll be able to he'll be able to shoot over most guards in the league pretty easily. Um well yeah we spoke about Alonzo already. Um uh Jason Tatum um had a really good summer league. Um he sh- I still I still have some concerns about Jason Tatum about like how he does fit in the modern NBA if he isn't uh your um primary scoring option. Mm-hmm. Um and pulling down, yeah, just, he's pulling down a lot more rebounds than I thought he would. Um, yeah yeah no he's a really good really good rebounder. Um defensively um he wasn't he wasn't paid. he had tunnel vision during summer league. Um, but I guess you could say that's understandable to summer league. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, actually, like, he's just fucking so polished as a scorer for his age that, like, it's going to be ridiculous what he's doing in a couple years. Um, Josh Jackson, um, I was lower on Josh than a lot of guys. What did you see from Josh? Um, yeah, in summer league. A bit more of a refined jump shot, that's for sure. Um... He just plays so hard. I mean, the the you know when you when you're averaging a steal and a block per game, we all knew the defensive defensive prowess was there, rebounding's there, shooting at a fairly high level. Um, he's he's just he's he's just one of those players where you look at him and think he's going to play hard all the time, and it reflects in it's, it's reflecting in his summer league games. Um, passing's quite underrated as well. Yeah, um, with Josh, um, I, I'm not going to co-sign you on that jumper thing. Um, a lot of people were sagging off him a lot in summer league, which I definitely going to be, going to be, I think going to be an issue for him um, going forward. But like you did say, he just plays so fucking hard that. Mm. And, and my my other thing is, I I don't agree with his long term upside as a defender. That's my thing about why I'm a little lower of Josh. But in terms of just, like, how hard he's going to play, there's definitely, like, I can't see how he doesn't end up, like, as even, like, a lower-end starter, considering if the jump shot doesn't, like, improve. I don't think it'll be asked. That's the one thing I think will cover up a lot for him. I think I've said this before. He'll cover up a lot of the defensive liabilities the book has got. So... The scoring load in terms of jump shots and freeze will be obviously Booker's responsibility, and then Jackson will probably cutting cutting towards the rim. But is that going to make him a lot more reliant on cutting to the basket in game positions where he can have easy easy layups and dunks, and then not to work on the jump shot? Yeah. So, um, who else? Uh... Definitely, um, probably one of the most surprising guys that was just like really great during summer league who uh, who stock going up. Uh, Donovan Mitchell is definitely up there in terms of 
Um, just how great of a off, I mean, a summer league he did have. Mm-hmm. Dennis DSJ, of course, man, goes without saying. I mean, mm-hmm. y- y- you were the one who called it. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you, <laughs> I'm gonna give you all the praise on that one. I mean, you, you did call it. He yeah, just, man. he just looks so good. He like, just so. He, he had, he had the most fucking spectacular miss dunk I might have seen in my life. Man. Yeah. Like, I, I, it was fucking ridiculous. He was literally like, when he was when he was pause cocking it back, he was still jumping. He was still like levitating while he was like cocking it back. I'm like, yeah, it's just fucking ridiculous. He he's in the perfect situation in in Dallas. Um, like I didn't say, I'm happy that he didn't fucking go to the Knicks or the Bulls, <laughs> so they didn't ruin his career. Because I could definitely see some. Something where like he just got poisoned by like the negativity that is <laughs> the Bulls and the Knicks franchise. But yeah, kid's gonna be a stud. He's probably my favorite for uh, rookie of the year uh, now. I think I he was before summer league fifteen to one, and I think he's now six to one for odds yeah. for rookie of the year. I mean that that, that tells you everything. It's gonna be ridiculous. Uh, yeah, Knicks passed up on him. Oh God, Knicks! Once, I'm, I mean, I'm like I said, I'm happy, but it's gonna look really bad. I like Nicotina, uh, however you fucking pronounce the name. Um, I and I like him as a prospect. I do think he was like deserved to go on the lottery. I wouldn't have taken him over Monk. Him over Donovan Mitchell also might be looking bad. Um, but yeah, man, like it's just I don't. He just doesn't have the upside. In his in his in his prototype for him to actually justify the pick over DSJ, which is sad. I like the kid, and I fucking hate that they're putting him in this position because it, it's just he he's gonna be dealt. He's he's being dealt a bad hand, and he hasn't even played yet. This is the thing. I mean, it all comes down to the poison that was the old regime. Now, not to say that things might have been different if you know you get rid of Phil before the draft. If you, you know, you do you do land a Donovan Mitchell or a Dennis Smith, things become become different. But he obviously he's obviously painting with that brush now that he's going to be compared to Dennis Smith as he went later. Yeah. Um, which does suck because I think he can be a, he, he can be a good player, and it's going to take some time for him to develop into a starter in the league. You see, yeah. And, and I think they fucked up. I think they fucked up as well by not. It, it, they were pining so long to try and get Rubio in, and then he went to the he went to the Jazz for what? Yeah, the, see the thing the thing about Nicotina is they drafted somebody, and this has value. And my my comp for for Nicotina is somebody like a George Hill because I don't think he's gonna be like he's not he's not a main ball handler, a primary ball handler right now who's. Gonna like break you down as a pick and roll creator, and and get buckets for everybody. That's not his game right now, and can he develop into that? Yeah, but we might be. I, I don't. That it might take him his entire rookie contract before he's even like scratching that potential. So when we're talking about DSJ having more current value and a bigger upside, it's just a really bad situation they, they put him in. Okay. I, completely, I completely agree. I mean, the, tra- the development trajectory 
could be along the lines of Dante Exum. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, and a lot of people are out on Dante Exum. He's going into his fourth year in the league, and people are just like, "Yeah, hey, we've seen enough." He, he still, you still can't have a conversation about Dante Exum without talking about potential <laughs> and like his wingspan and shit. Yeah. So, so yeah, he might. That might be him, and I still do think Dante Exum might. Dante Exum is still like fucking like twenty three or twenty. Even if he's twenty three, he might be. Uh, he might be twenty two. Uh, he was super young coming up. But yeah, they just they just gave that kid a bad hand. I wish him the best of luck. Um, but it might get ugly, and DSJ might come to the Garden and just like violate. Cool. And I can see the I can see the Garden booing if DSJ comes and just like balls out. That's harsh, it's, man. It's, 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 it's got to be the it's, Fred, it's got to be the bit of the Frederick Weiss to it. I mean, nah, nah, nah. I got, I got, I got more respect for Nicotina as a project <laughs> for that. But, but yeah, man, still, still, like, uh, just a quick one on Exum. He literally just turned twenty-two the other day, and he's been in the league yeah, for yeah. this. Will, this will be his third year now. So, yeah, who actually didn't play too bad in summer league, so. The Spurs have done it again, man. I don't, I don't know how they keep doing this, but I mean, Bryn Forbes has been bawling his ass off. And Derek White was definitely. I had Derek White as like a middle round. I think I don't know where I had him on my big board, but he was definitely like in the top twenty. And they got him. They got him in the late uh, with a late first rounder. I like. I like him a lot. So yeah, man. Smart. Smart teams do smart things. This is another fucking example of it. Uh, one of my speaking of like uh, sleepers, one of mine, Dwayne Bacon, pulling out for uh, Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, Dwayne Bacon. Um, another guy who was really impressive in summer league was Bam um, Adebayo, um, kid out of Kentucky on yeah. the Heat. Um, yeah, he looked really good, so that looks like a, a, a good pick for them. And we didn't mention we didn't mention De'Aaron Fox either. He definitely. The jump, the jumper looked a little better. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it looked clean, I'd say, especially like in the mid range. So, because he's just fucking so fast, so if he's able to live in the mid range while his outside shot developed, that would definitely help his like uh, immediate value and shit. He, um, but I also do think the one thing about him is he's more of a score first guard. I don't really see him as much of a facilitator. Yeah, at I this thought point. that. Yeah, yeah. which. I need to go back to. I don't get why they traded that that number ten pick, Sacramento. Especially when he yeah, could, that was a, could have just that was dra- a bad pick. You could that have was just, a bad pick. You could have just drafted Monk or Mitchell. And, yeah, and had both of them together. But you know, you decide to go for Justin Jackson. Not a bad player. Justin, I'd rather have. I'd rather have Justin. I'm not not. I'd rather have <laughs> fucking Monk or or uh, Mitchell mm-hmm. than. Than Justin Jackson or Harry Giles, so yeah. Oh, that's like that. That was what twenty picks too early for Harry Giles. I don't even want to say that. Like you went, he Harry Giles went twentieth. So it's just a knee. It's just a knee injury that just nobody knows, man. Nobody knows. It's if they believe in it. If the, if, if they believe on it, then they got themselves a sleeper, <laughs> and they got somebody. But but yeah, man, it's it's tough. It's tough. I wish like I wish I could. I wish I could the best. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, it's just like, especially watching that Duke, the explosiveness, it just wasn't there. I think it was a bit of a, it was a shitty situation at Duke as well, wasn't it? Yeah, he was just coming off of, he hadn't played in like basically 
24 months. Let's try. Let's try. What else we got to touch on, man? I think. I think. I think. That's pretty much it. Is there any trades you're missing? Nothing. I think we, we touched on all the uh, important shit, at least. All the big trades, I think we touched on. 